Hi, welcome to my channel. I am speaking live on YouTube and I am recording this as a podcast as well. As always, I really pray that everyone is doing well. I pray that you are under the covering of God. And most of all, I pray that you have an open mind. I pray that you have an open mind to hear and receive and not just hear and receive but apply it to your life because if you hear it and receive it but you don't reply it then the rest of it is null and void what i wanted to talk about today is uh, spiritual conviction and to be honest it's not something i've talked about a lot of subject i'm talking about a lot of things that i have taught over the years but this was something new to me when i was doing the newsletter uh, I had recently dealt with something as a mother, and I found myself just being sucked in to something that had nothing to do with me simply because I had decided to be a mother. And as I was typing the words for the newsletter, I said something, I don't remember my exact words, but I said something to the effect of, you cannot give yourself a life sentence for decisions that other people make that you cannot live your life. I felt like I was being convicted because of decisions my children make. And I was allowing myself to do their time because I was the mother and assuming that that was what I was supposed to do. And that was wrong. I have, I've done my time and you have likely done yours. It is time for us to let God be God in those scenarios. And because I cared, the enemy knew that I cared. He understands that outside of whatever God may be dealing with within myself, the easiest way to get to me is through my children. Things that they do, um, things that, that they may be going through. Um, struggling to to try to not to take responsibility for my part in the spirits that they deal with and the the hereditary curses and struggles of their life without self condemnation in that process because I do believe that as parents the first thing we should always do is take accountability for our part in the struggles of our children they they were birthed through us and if you've you've Listen well. My book, Symphony of Darkness, talks a little bit about that. You can find that on Amazon. But this last one, human trafficking, I touch on that a little bit too. Is that and when I talk about in the the bloodlines uh, chapter of the book that we do have to take accountability because we decided to be with that individual and therefore took upon us. Uh, all of the, the curses and, and, and spiritual warfare existing within that person and then passed it along to someone else. It is when we are willing to sacrifice and break through and break those bloodlines that we can prevent the enemy from using those very struggles we had to destroy our children. And so that's kind of the fine line, though. That's the fine line is taking ownership of it saying the truth of it, taking accountability for it. I'll give you another example. When I'm praying for my children, I ask God, I ask God to reverse anything that I have done in ignorance, 
knowing and unknowing in anger and whatever it may have been to give the enemy power over my children. Anything that I have spoken, even in jest, anything that I have you know, jokingly said anything that I have said when they when when I was depressed or angry, anything that I spoke just in the silent, the, the quiet of my own room, thoughts that I've had, that God would reverse it, that God would take hold of them and not and, and shake that off of them and, and not allow the enemy to use my words against my children to not send curses on not just them, but anyone that if God himself would retract those things, that he would break any power and authority that I have given to the enemy, knowing and unknowing. And I constantly do that. And I'm the first person to say, wow, I said that. I did that. I made this choice. I made this choice. First of all, to understand that when I'm coaching people, and I am a spiritual, spiritual warfare coach. And for those who do not know me and you come on this channel, you as you begin to look at some of my other videos, I'll explain a little bit more of how I even got to this point. But I really wanted to focus in on, on this particular subject for today. But when I'm coaching people, I ask them specific questions. And I want to make sure that not only are they taking authority, over the enemy, but authority over what they've said, whether they're taking accountability for things that they've done, but also the key is not condemning yourself for who you used to be. Because I'll ask them, are you that same individual? No. Do you do the same things? Do you think the same way? No. But why are you condemning yourself as if you are? Why are you reacting to who you are as though you're that person? And why are you allowing anyone else to make you feel that way as well? And so let me, I'll put a little note here to, to kind of segue into another piece of it. Because that's about, that there's three parts to this spiritual conviction thing that I really want people to understand. Because I was in one part of it. And I was coaching someone the other day that's in another part of it. And then I believe that on some level, we all are a part of the third part of it. So there are three parts in ways that you can spiritually convict yourself and give yourself a life sentence for something that has nothing to do with you or something that has to do with who you were and not who you are. So the first way is allowing people to condemn you, people to hold you into judgment for things that you, for one, you may not even know. In this particular case, I was speaking with a young lady. Actually, no, she's, I say young lady, but she's, she's young in Christ. How about that? But she, she's an older woman who has older children. And she was telling me, that one of her children doesn't speak to her, doesn't really deal with her at all. And she's, she's put up this wall that does not allow her, God is trying to push through that wall and tell her to break it because around her in her mind, she likes to think that everything is fine. And I said, you know what I noticed? I noticed that 
almost everyone else that I've spoken to in some way, form or fashion has broken down. They've allowed themselves to feel the pain, to release the, the power that the enemy has over them by by crying it out, allowing God to, to cleanse them, to just let it out. But you seem to be stiff nosed. You seem to be just right there. You're not moving. You, you know, get a pick up and go, pick up and go, pick up and go, pick up, pick up and go. But you're running on empty and you're not allowing yourself to feel. And then we began to actually have a real conversation where she could be honest and tell me how much that hurts her, how much it hurts her that her daughter cannot forgive her and that she won't take time to actually tell her what she did. What she did that would cause her to hold so much judgment, condemnation, and hatred towards her when she's not the same person. Even with the best intentions, guys, as, as, as parents and as people, we get it wrong. We get it wrong. I have gotten it wrong so many times. Yes, I see you. Thank you, Auntie, for there is no condemnation in those in Christ. Absolutely. Can you imagine being a mother whose child refuses to speak to you? It's not a circumstance where this person has tried to convey how they feel and you won't accept it. You won't acknowledge their feelings. You won't acknowledge their pain. This is not that scenario. This scenario is a woman who is in her, her late 50s, 60s now who is being condemned and judged and convicted with a life sentence for not only something that was likely done back in the day, but something that she doesn't even have clarity on. You cannot allow that to happen. No, you cannot control the person and how they feel. If you've made every attempt to do right and to do good to go to your brother and to talk with them and to try to resolve things in the manner that God suggests, then that is all you can do. Continue to pray for them, but don't act like the, the, the issue does not exist. To act like it doesn't exist, to put this wall up and, and act like everything is okay, that it does not bother you, it allows the enemy to eat away at you and the inside. And if it's not coming out towards that person, you can best believe that it is coming out in your life another way. The way you deal with people, the way you react to things, your lack of full uh, trust in God and what he's going to do because you want to believe. You want so desperately to believe that God has spoken these words to you and these things are going to happen and you're trying to hold on to your faith. But in the back of your mind, you're saying, but you didn't fix this, God. How can I believe you for this when this situation still exists? And I've cried out to you about it. But guess what? You're dealing with all of that in silence. You're not expressing it. You're not bringing it to him on a continual basis because you're not even willing to acknowledge it. So that is the first part of this. Make sure, please make sure that you are not allowing the unforgiveness, the spirit of unforgiveness to, to just eat away at you because someone else has chosen to hold on to that spirit, to let their lives be governed by that spirit. 
that is not on you. What is on you is that you acknowledge that your feelings towards it are very real and you bring it to the forefront and you ask God to help you to destroy the enemy that has resulted from that, that spirit of condemnation, that spirit of judgment that you have allowed to sit and eat away at you. That's the first part. Now, the second part is you to them. Let's talk about that for a second. Are you guys getting this? Is this making sense to you? I hope that you are. If it is, just say yes and, you know, something. Say something over there. Okay. But the second part is this. You to them. We talk about forgiveness. We, we, we will even say we've forgiven someone. But as soon as we hear their name or we're having a conversation with someone and a scenario that is similar to the one that we experienced with this individual comes up, we start to feel uh, butterflies and, and not the good ones, um, nauseousness and frustration, aggravating, uh, aggravation, agitation, all of these different things, then, then there's something still there that has not taken place that needs to take place. And I'll start with myself and try not to have the whole allergy thing going on. You know, I say allergy, but we know what it is. Thank you guys. Okay. I'll start with myself in that there are some, some people in my life that I need to forgive. And anytime I say that to anybody, I always say the first person is yourself. Even with the best intentions, I made mistakes. But guess what? I made mistakes that placed me in situations where the enemy was allowed to work through people to get to me. And now I struggle to forgive them when my decisions put me in the position where I was open to the enemy. So are we willing to take accountability? Are we willing to take accountability for the fact that we, in essence, placed ourselves as open targets to people. Now, let me, let me be fair. Just because you put yourself in a wrong place at a wrong time or, or open yourself up without seeking God to see if you should even help this person or deal with this person or be in the situation. Yes, you didn't seek God first. You, you didn't get confirmation on that. But that, does, that still does not give them a pass to harm you. That does not give them a pass to take advantage of your kindness, to, to abuse you and hurt you in any way. That is not what I am saying at all. I am saying that you have to take accountability. Everyone does. One of the hardest things that I had to tell someone was they needed to take accountability for their abuse. It was violent. Not, I'm not talking about a child or any of that. That's not what I'm talking about. This particular case was uh, it was a want matter of fact it was multiple women and and I had to say the hard thing because I was not going to to allow them to to carry the victim card and not hold the accountability card because we have to take responsibility about what we allowed to happen even if what we did was be weak, that we did not use the authority in God. 
that we did not use our power, that we did not resist the enemy, that we got ourselves into a relationship that we found ourselves, found it difficult to get out of. We must take accountability. You cannot solely be the victim. In many cases, that is not it. Wrong place, wrong time, not seeking God to find out where and how you need to do things, not allowing him to order your steps, not looking well into a matter. As he says, Proverbs 14, 15, I'm telling you, there are so many things that we are not taught in our younger days that that allow us to walk in darkness and allow ourselves to be targets of the enemy because we were not taught this. And we do. I've, t- I've said it a multitude of times that God says that we are, my people perish for lack of knowledge. It's not that that knowledge is not available to us, that we just won't seek it. We perish because we do not seek it. And unfortunately, we're not taught to seek it like we should. So <clears throat> I hold people accountable. I want them to really look at the situation because the enemy cannot do anything that we don't first allow. A person who is abusing someone, a person who is doing wrong, the enemy is coming at them. The enemy is doing what he's doing. We can always count on him to do what he does well. The issue is that we tend to not do what we know to do well and I need to take accountability if I find myself in situations where I can't sleep. I'm sick on my stomach because I picked up the phone. I didn't have to pick up the phone. Just because my children call doesn't mean that I have to pick up the phone and decide to take on their worries, their stresses, their decisions. It is not my decision. I mean, it's not my issue if you have chosen a toxic relationship. It is not my issue if you did not seek God for the job that he wants you to have. It is not up to me in any way, form or fashion to pull you out of a situation that you put yourself in because you refuse to listen to the wisdom of God. Not that you didn't even have it. You chose not to listen to it. So we have to make sense of that. Take the accountability, because this is the thing. All of a sudden, as a mom, I'm now harboring unforgiveness because you've caused me so much pain. Every time I seem to have an up day and I'm good and I'm going and and here y'all come, here you come with your stuff and your mess, that guess what? I took on. I cannot hold unforgiveness and give people a life sentence for something that I contributed to in some way, form, or fashion. But I also cannot give people a life sentence for things that I had nothing to do with and the enemy just came against me. For instance, a young child being abused. Someone who wasn't doing anything wrong necessarily, but something very bad happened to you. Unfortunately, in order to be free, you have to say, I forgive you. You have to get away from the thoughts. You have to deny yourselves the thoughts and the desire to want to convict someone 
and give them a life sentence for something they did. Because guess what? Just like God changed you, he has the power to change them. And the moment that we don't forgive someone, the moment that we don't hold that power in our hands of forgiveness, we give them an opportunity to go and do that very same thing to someone else. When we forgive and we have truly forgiven, then we can pray for them without feeling anger and, and feeling like we don't want to get the words out and stuff like that. We, we, we can actually pray for them in love. And it's when you pray that spirit out, again, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, so we're praying against that spirit. We're praying against the spirit in them because if we can help, if God can use us and our experience with that individual to push that spirit out, we are stopping them from hurting tons of people. You know, throughout the lifetime, we've heard of, of one granddad. We didn't speak up. We didn't, we didn't forgive. We just distance ourselves and let it go. Well, that person has then gone on to hurt multiple people. And those multiple people in different people adds up to tons of people, millions of people. So if, if, if we can get it right, then the enemy can be stopped. Let me see what you guys have to say about that. Yes, and to admit that we've made a mistake and move on without falling into self-condemnation. Absolutely. This to, to admit that you have made a mistake, to, to say that I got it wrong is power. To then go, oh, I, I just I got it wrong. I never do anything right. Like, look what the situation, like that, that, that is when the power then leaves you. Then you've just taken the power and then gave it right back to the enemy. There is no need for condemnation. And one of the biggest profound things I'm telling you that, that God showed me, I was driving in my car one day and I was talking to someone and he would say, condemn and you shall be, you shall be condemned and judge and you shall be judged, right? Forgive and you shall be forgiven. And we will, um, we'll put these scriptures up, everything that I'm talking about. We'll put these scriptures up on, on the page and we'll figure out how to do that. Like I said, this is my first one, but this person was dealing with something that she had done, but she had in her past judged people so harshly and condemned them for it. Get this, please listen to this. I promise you this happened. There was a circumstance where she was judging people who did a certain thing or acted a certain way. And then she found herself in that position and she acted a certain way. And guess what happened? She from then on dealt with the spirit of condemnation and could not forgive herself. Condemn and ye shall be condemned. The revelation in that was that that ye shall be condemned can actually come from you. It is in essence you allowing the spirit of condemnation in and even it being used against you to where you condemn someone so poor, so badly that then when you found yourself in the situation, you could not forgive yourself. You had no choice then but to condemn yourself. And I was like, 
as I was driving, like, oh my gosh, I saw the connection. Like, wow, you then become your own judge and jury. You then become the one that is condemning yourself. It, it helped me to see that, okay, there's a connection here. Can you do me a favor? There is uh, the power is about to go. Hold on one second for me. Let me go ahead and read some of these. Absolutely, we do need to take accountability for our own mistakes. Unforgiveness is like cancer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a death sentence. It's an absolute death sentence. And, and before I took this journey, I don't believe that I understood how powerful it was. I really didn't. I know that people would say, oh, I'm, you know, forgiveness is not about you. It's, it's, I mean, about the other person. It's about you. I didn't understand the ramifications of not doing it and the power. And I'll give you a, a really powerful example of unforgiveness uh, as it pertains to, to its power and attachment to things demonic. So one of my clients was in a different country. She lives in England. And she was dealing with a spirit that was very strong. She tells her story and she was heavily involved in witchcraft, but believed that she was a white witch. So she had been through so much pain and abuse that she and some other ones, maybe 13 in their teens, were, of course, introduced to this show, this television show where they use these these spells and things for protection well, doing what she did and, and, and having gone through what she had gone through, she was looking for protection and she opened herself up to um, witchcraft in a way that uh, was very difficult. So then over the years, she was tormented by certain spirits that she would see all the time. One in particular, let me rewind. One of them that I will tell you about now came because there was something, the person that had abused her, she found out that he had abused a little one in her family, someone that she adored. Um, and that just took her hatred to a whole nother level. And of course she wanted him destroyed you know, in, in the worst way, because it's one thing to do it to me, but you're now doing it to a child. Um, and she could not shake it. She could not shake that rage and that hatred. That rage and that hatred turned into the presence, a physical, a presence of a demonic spirit that was so strong, it would move things in her house. You could hear it coming up the stairs. In essence, it was a spirit, the same spirit that was operating in that man who did these things. That powerful spirit that had consumed and possessed him was now following and pursuing her. Remember you all, we're dealing with spirits. Well, we had done everything. Uh, she had turned her life around. God came to her. And, and I just, I'm excited to know that she's writing her book and she's going to tell her own story. So I don't want to tell too much, but I'm talking about you hearing something when you're laying in the bed and you go into the kitchen 
area and you know things are kind of made differently over there in the other countries but her wash her washer machine or dryer I forget which one it was but literally was just pulled out from the wall nothing was in it it wasn't on he's just in there moving stuff that spirit is that powerful consuming her every night um a sleep paralysis every night which we know what that really is um and if you don't then I'll be happy to talk about that on another video but uh just just consuming all consuming this thing would not leave her alone and got to the point where she had thrown away everything we were we I was t teaching her and God was showing us what she needed to do and I said you've got to get rid of everything so she was taking everything that she used to anything that was connected to witchcraft anything that she used in the past and she was throwing it out just throwing it out throwing it out F furniture I mean just throwing out everything down to the point where I said I said God is showing me a pillowcase I said I I heard pillowcase and she said ah because we we talked we 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 had sessions every week so once a week so this particular week God showed her that she thought she had gotten rid of everything but then there was more so God is so good and so kind that he was actually he will he will pinpoint things and teach us and talk to us and he's saying no I know you think it but the enemy is still hidden because pillowcase pillowcase so when I said that she said oh I used to take a pillowcase and I would do spells and put them in the pillowcase. And I said, okay, God is, she got off the phone and went up there, we got the pillowcase, throw the pillowcase away. God is very detailed and very loving like that. Well, guess what? That joker was still showing up. Still hearing the footsteps at night, still wreaking havoc so to speak in her life not letting her rest just bothersome spirit demonic spirit that would not go away the only way that it would leave and that it did leave is when she spoke the words out of her mouth that she forgave that person for what he did It took so much for her to be able to do that. You could see in her body language how difficult it was for her to say it. But we prayed together and she had to forgive that spirit and that spirit had to disappear. It had to go. I promise this is a true story. When I come on here, I'm telling you the truth and the amazing things that have that I've heard and seen and have helped people with on these in these past couple of years has has let me allow me to see God on a whole other level a whole other level but it was just really really interesting um that that big strong power that same demon that was causing that man to wreak havoc in the life of everyone to destroy and to 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 sexual perversion and lust and I'm talking about this man was dark I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, you guys. He was just a very bad man. When we don't forgive, the spirit that is operating in them has the potential to move and affect our lives as well. We invite it in. We have to forgive. We cannot give people a life sentence 
because of what they've done to us, because in doing so, we give ourselves a life sentence. Does that make sense? Let me know. Whew. This made me relive that. That was tough. That one, I'm telling you, me and her and God, we, we were, man, praise God for her life now. Praise God that he cared about a pillowcase. Amazing. And the third thing is, and last thing is, we have, first of all, we had the them where people are convicting you and you have to be honest about what impact that has had on you and forgive yourself, love yourself, admit and, and and work through those feelings. Bring God into the situation. Don't try to hide it. Bring it out. Allow people to pray for you. Push that out. Take back your power. The second one was us to them. Again, the ultimate, um, the, the, the biggest takeaway from that would be that when we harbor unforgiveness and we convict people of a life of unforgiveness where we cannot forgive them. We're judging and condemning you. You did this to me. I'm never forgiving it. You're this person. You're always going to be this person done with you. No, we cannot do that. We can't. And uh, two reasons. First of all, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to forgive. We are instructed to forgive, but then also when we harbor that, then we also, whatever we're pushing out and, and, and the spirits that are in operation in us are pushing towards them. Those same spirits are working those things in us. Just like God showed me when I was driving in the car, that that woman, the woman that was there and, and had been condemning now that same condemning spirit was working against her. She could not forgive herself. If that makes sense. Yes, that's confirmation that we are sometimes the carrier of demonic spirits that are that we are afraid of and trying to get rid of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And the last part is you to you. You to you. I really want my listeners to think about this. Uh, and for those who are listening to the podcast, I'm if if I kind of go off, I'm reading the comments that are on um the uh, the live stream that I'm doing at the same time, but I really wanted to capture this so that you could have multiple ways of listening to it. So it'll be list it'll be on my podcast as well as on this live stream on my new YouTube channel. But the last one that I wanted to talk about today was you to you. I want you to be brutally honest. I always want you to be brutally honest with yourself. What in your life have you given yourself a life sentence for? Was it marrying the wrong person? Was it losing your virginity and fornicating, living outside of the will of God and, and, or even condemning yourself for things that were not taught to you that you did not innately know as a young person, as a teenager, as um, a, a, you know, middle schooler, uh, even toddler. I really want people to understand the importance that we cannot do that to themselves. And even 
in the instances where we're taking on other people's stuff constantly. We are giving ourselves a life sentence. You made the decision to have children. You made the decision to marry this person. You, you, do, you are not convicted and given a life sentence for their struggles. Your life, your, your life of sadness and, and sorrow because this person cannot seem to get their act together, will not choose God. You cannot give yourself a life sentence for their actions, for their behavior, their existence. That is not on you to do. And you most certainly cannot give the new person who is now seeking God, grounded in God, loving God, wanting more of God, wanting to be used by God, wanting to serve God and wanting to make a difference in this world, a life sentence for something that you did when you did not know better. It is really time to take that power from the enemy and let go of this self condemnation and judgment and self-hatred that I see too much too often. It is time for you to understand your value, for you to go believe in yourself and do all of the things that God has placed in your heart to do, the passions that he has given you, because he said that he would, he would give us our dreams, right? Um, it, what, what is that? I can't, it's not coming to mind. When it says uh, the desires of our heart, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so the desires of your heart, people look at that wrong. The revelation that God gave me about it is, is that he will give you the desires of your heart. They think, they're thinking all of the things, all of the uh, outer things, all of the tangible things. Uh, I want the car. I want the house. I want the husband. I want the child. I want the perfect job. I want all these things. No, that means that he's putting in you the desires of your heart. The enemy too can cause you to be looking outward and want the things of the world. But God, the very things, the fiber of your being, the, the way that you are built, the fact that you love dogs, the fact that you love art, the fact that just wanting people to succeed and wanting to impart wisdom and it's just a part of who you are. That is him putting in you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart. Thank you. Yes. Um, Priscilla says that's good teaching. Be brutally honest with yourself. Uh, I do have a book. It's called 30 Days of Brutal Honesty. And that's something that I also recommend because it talks about just from the conversations that I've had with the people that I've coached. I touch on sub certain subjects like uh, dealing with certain spirits, the spirit of depression and other things where you can choose because there's there's 30 days and you can work through the book however you want to work through the book. But it gives you words if you don't you're not, you know, strong in your prayer. It gives you prayers that uh, you can say and you can write down, write it out, say a prayer and let it go. And then you go on to the next one and the next one and the next one. But you're doing 30 days of brutal honesty. And that one is excellent for groups, groups of women to go and to be honest. No one is seeing that book but you. And then you tear that page out and you burn it and you go on to the next page. However you want to do it, but you can work through it based on what you're dealing with. 
So I will be sharing, you know, the books that I've written, but I believe whatever God is doing in me now, it, the timing is now. It wasn't for when I actually wrote the books necessarily because I have the line of the children's books too. And this is the, the last book that I just wrote. In it, it has powerful prayers that God himself has given me the words. I'll give you an example of how God does that. Um, I My eyes were bothering me. And I came out in the middle of the morning to go and get to look in my purse to get my dry eye drops. And I was like, oh, Lord. I said, Lord, you know, help me with my eyes. I might have had too much light on them or looked at my screen too long, but they just felt really heavy. And I get back in the bed and pull the covers up over myself, and I hear the word tincture. Tincture. It's like a whisper, just tincture. And I was okay, tincture. I've heard that word before, but let me look it up and make sure that I know exactly what it is. And as soon as I went to Amazon, after I looked it up and, and saw what it was, I was like, oh, okay, I remember this. It's an extract from an herb or a plant, and, and it's a stronger dose of it. The tincture that I had once before, the dandelion extract in the liquid form, is what pulled up. And I said, thank you, Lord. So I ordered it. It came the next day. Um, there are so many stories like that. I remember we were on prayer and... I heard the word, maybe there might be two or three people that were talking about they were struggling with sleep. And so we were just going to pray about it. And, you know, like we normally do, because we literally, me and my team pray every day. We war in the spirit every day for the world, for the things that we see, the things going on and trying to usher in the change and the things that God has promised and the things that God wants to do, his plans, his will. Let them prevail in Jesus' name. But I heard the word. I said, I, I, I said, I just heard tryptophan, tryptophan, tryptophan. Um, wasn't that the word I heard? Tryptophan. Guess what it is? Something for sleep. I didn't know that. And then another thing that anyone who sees this, I, I will tell you all this too, is uh. I was maybe for a day, maybe two days, but definitely a day. I heard the word remdesivir. Remdesivir. I was like, I'm hearing remdesivir. And then I would go maybe to the restroom or go somewhere else in the house and I would hear it again. Remdesivir. I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to say? Okay, I understand that it's a med. You know, I looked it up and I see that it's a, a medication. It wasn't until we got on prayer and I told my team that I keep hearing this word remdesivir. And when God gives me something, it's either solving a problem or, or it's helping in some way or he's revealing something. And in this case, I felt it was something to stay away from. And I still didn't have all the details, but I, I felt more it was more like a warning, not something to help. And then one of the ladies on my team says, oh, that's what they use to treat the, the virus. And I was like, oh, people don't need to take that. People don't need to take that for that. People don't need to take that for that. And she was like, yeah. I'd, and so I began to just pray against that. Um, but yeah, there's multitude of, of examples. I could go on all day about that. But 
yeah, I, he 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 speaks you all. He is he's 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 a good God. I don't care how we feel on certain days, whether we're struggling to hold on to our hope and our faith. I believe he loves us. And I believe my daughter, most recently, my oldest daughter, helped me to really understand that because the things that I was talking to her about uh, that were going on, and sometimes I'll call her and talk with her. She was, She said, Mom, he does it to help you. He's showing you that that your family, meaning my children, have still have too much power. You made a lot of changes, but in, they have too much. We have too much power. Her saying that, and I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "Cause I don't really worry much, or not at all, really, about what people think and try. I've never been a people pleaser per se, um, but my children have been uh, more than just my children in my life spiritually, from a spiritual war, warfare aspect." And for her to say that, it was just like, he does. There's nothing that he does to hurt us. Unless we've done something where his vengeance is coming upon us, then that's a whole other video. But he loves us. We have a father. We have a creator who who loves us, who cares about whether I have a tincture for my eyes a drop that will help me with that has vitamin A. Whether he's giving warning that this is not good, don't do this. Um, gosh, again, just a multitude of things, but just just to know that he brought this up and and I said those, I typed those words on the newsletter. Um, we cannot do time for a crime that we did not commit. And we will not convict ourselves for things that we've done in the past, nor will we give others life sentences for things they have done in the past. And with that said and ending this, we also must be wise because in the newsletter, I had someone ask me about forgiveness. What was the words that I said I have... um, I said forgiveness. Oh, um, was it commitment? That's commitment. I, I said something. I typed it up yesterday, and it was something that I had not said before, and I made it a quote. And I want to make sure I say it exactly like it was said. You see it? It was on the gold one. Hold on. And this is not, this backdrop is my house, y'all. <laughs> it's, it's not a screen. What does it say? Just tell me what it says. Oh, commitment has a price. Commitment has a price. Okay, but <clears throat> excuse that. Shaking a little bit, but just know that. To make the decision to commit to the things that we're saying, to commit in all aspects of doing it, even when it means taking care of you and not allowing people to consume you and using the power of forgiveness, but 
not going and repeating the cycle all over again, not allowing uh, or throwing your pearls to swine, so to speak. To forgive someone does not mean that you have to then expose yourself to the enemy and allow them to continue to throw arrows and darts at you. And I would encourage people that if you're doing that to ask God for forgiveness, because I am sure that God is not giving you permission to continue that behavior, to keep rescuing, to keep getting in his way, to keep arguing with him and rationalizing why you need to do it your way and not his and why you need to stand in the way of that person going through the very thing they need to go through so they can have the relationship with God that you have. You cannot do that. And when you choose to allow yourself to go through these processes over and over again with the same people, every time you do, you're snatching away the opportunity for God to work in them because you're no longer the answer. You're no longer the financial support. You're no longer these things. So guess who they have to go to? They have to go to God. They have to learn to pray. They have to learn to wait. They have to learn the value of sacrifice. All of the very things that are now etched in your fiber that help you be who you need to be, they need to learn how to do. We have to stop being God to people and choosing to forgive someone does not make you a God to them. You cannot be God to a person. We, are, we, we enable and allow people to make earthly people their saviors. And that is not what we are meant to do. That is not what we are here to do. And I remember telling someone, and I'll end with this, even in your goodness and well-doing, you still must seek God first. You may be doing something that God didn't tell you to do. And you may be standing in his way because maybe he wanted another person to come in and help because he had something for them. But people will wear themselves out. I'm talking about wear themselves out, can't breathe, thinking they are really serving God, serving, 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 when all you have been is a detour. All you have been is someone who is actually standing in the way of God, because even with your goodness, you did not say, God, is this something you want me to do? Is this where you want me to place my time? Is this what you have for me? Because the enemy is very good about bringing something right on in. And you thinking, "Woo! praise the Lord. This is God. Look what he did. He gave me this opportunity. And that wasn't him at all. Assumption in spiritual warfare is dangerous and can be disastrous. And in many cases, if you've ever watched the news, assumption that God wanted you involved with a certain person or in a certain situation can be deadly. So I will leave you with that. You guys can give me some feedback. Let's see. Thank you all so much. And thank you all for tuning in to uh, those who are listening to my podcast. Tune in next time and I will continue to kind of chat with those who are on this YouTube live. God bless you guys. Have a nice day.